I have a couple of papers here. Uh, no, so if that was confusing, we're receiving our normal tithes and offerings. If you want to give towards uh, Foursquare's work in North Africa, you can just write North Africa on your check. And then we can know it's going to North Africa. Um, the idea is uh, just churches around the country, Foursquare churches, we do this every year. Uh, we gather offerings from our local churches and then we bring it all together at convention. And it's always awesome because God shows up in incredible ways. Um, you know the family that we sponsor in the Middle East, in the country that nobody knows where, and we call them by their aliases and all those things. Uh, one of the reasons they're there is because of an offering just like this. We took th- this offering two years ago, I think it was in Anaheim, uh, to be able to start that work. Uh, so we've sent a couple of teams now, including a Kobler down at Living Water in Olympia, if you know Pastor Kobler. Um, we sent a couple of teams to North Africa just to kind of walk the streets, meet some of the local leaders. We have no Foursquare uh, presence in any of those top five North African countries, um, but we're excited to do it. Um, it's kind of one of those things where you can't just kind of come in and go, you know, come to Jesus. And so it's much more strategic where these will be uh, probably people from that area. Uh, also people, uh, if, uh, you know, doctors, dentists, you know, however... Uh, they might be able to engage in that culture and then shine the light and, and begin a work. So this is, a, I mean, this is the beginning of years and years of, uh, of work that we're going to see God do in North Africa. Uh, if you have any questions on that, go ahead and ask me. Don't ask Micah. You'll just confuse him. But poor guy. He's sick today. And then I made him do such a confusing announcement. Poor guy. All right. Well, uh, how many of you guys were here last Sunday? Right. Uh, what was the passage we talked about last Sunday? It's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. That's right, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. We're, we're in, the mig- in the middle of a series, I guess the second week of a series called In Case You Forgot. In Case You Forgot. It's the idea that as Christians, sometimes we can forget what we got in Jesus Christ. Just like those clouds can cover up the mountain, though, praise the Lord, the mountain is not covered up today, but just like those clouds can uh, cover up the mountain, have us uh, to forget the majesty and the splendor of what we have in Mount Rainier, don't you know, in a much greater sense, and probably in a more important sense, this world, there are clouds of this world that can try to cover up Jesus. Those clouds have many names, right? It can be sickness, it can be crisis, it can be relationship issues, marriage issues, job issues, family issues, just life issues, right? Life has this way of clouding up the picture, and none of us want to admit it, but life can actually come in and cause us to forget Jesus. Now, maybe that's not for any of you, but I know for me, it has a way of coming in and clouding the picture. And so that's why we've committed these four weeks, committed to four different passages from Scripture. And I believe these passages, I don't know if you, how, how you felt about last Sunday, but I just loved it. Four different pictures and passages just bringing Jesus back into focus, reminding us what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. In fact, let's go ahead and put Romans 12, 1 and 2 back up on the screen. If you weren't here last Sunday, I'd encourage you to go to the podcast, listen to the podcast. For the rest of you, I know for the last seven days, you guys have been just radically sold out for Jesus, uh, offering your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord, right? Your true and proper worship. In fact, this is just going to confirm how you've been living, so let's read it together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Keep it going. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Damn, right? That's powerful. Powerful. Today we're going to jump into the book of Philippians. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to Philippians. If you don't have your Bibles, you can be a smartphone, tablet, whatever you got. Open it up to Philippians. By the way, I'd encourage you to read these books for yourself. I love preaching through these, but I'd also say uh, it's important for you to read them yourself. If you can't read them, if you don't have time to read them, I'd also say just listen to them, right? Remember most people 2,000 years ago, we actually just saw this in a video uh, that we played between services, but most people 2,000 years ago were illiterate. And so they actually needed somebody else to read the letter to them. So I want to give you permission as your pastor. It is okay to listen to the Bible. I say that because I've heard a lot of people, or a few, not a lot, but a few people make the comment that listening to the Bible just isn't as good as reading the Bible. Almost like there's this class system of people that are really spiritual who read the Bible, and then there's the rest of us who just listen to the Bible. You just need to hear it. That isn't true. That just isn't true. Again, most of history, people couldn't even read the Bible. They'd go find someone that could read it, and they would listen to the Bible. Now, I believe reading the Bible is important. Absolutely. Why? We're, what, 2,000 years removed from the culture in which it was written? Uh, it's kind of important maybe to study the culture, study the language, probably study the history, study the things that are going on around uh, the scriptures that are being written. That, by the way, gives you a deeper understanding of the context, and it probably gets you a lot closer to the original meaning of the scriptures. Very important. But for you, as many of you, you know what I hear more than any other word from you is busy. <laughs> I hear the word busy. And if you're living in America in 2017, you're probably busy. You're maybe raising a little one at home. One of you was talking to me the other day. You're working 50 hours a week, but you work in Kirkland. So you got like an hour and a half to two hour commute both ways. So maybe you don't have that block of two to three hours every day to dive into the Greek, right? To dive in verse by verse and study. But you might have a car ride. You might have a bus ride. You might have something to that nature where you can open up your smartphone, open up your tablet, open up your laptop, open up some kind of technology and let that technology read to you. You know what the coolest thing about most of this technology is it's free. Most of the technology is free. If you don't know how to get onto that technology, if you don't know how to get that technology to read the Word of God to you, we would love to help you. I I know many of us, we listen to the Bible. Maybe show your hands. Uh, Any of you ever listen to the Bible as you go to sleep at night? Right, a lot of you don't want to admit to that because someone told you that you're a bad Christian if you fall asleep to the Word of God. You're not a bad Christian if you fall asleep to the Word of God. Now, maybe that's not the time to be studying it, you know, and getting into the Greek and going verse by verse. But how good is it to have God's eternal Word, His truth, just washing over you, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, just to allow the Word of God to speak and speak and speak and speak. The book of Romans, we read it last Sunday. If you listened to the book of Romans, and many of you say that Romans is your favorite book, and I can see why. Romans is a fantastic book of the Bible. But if you listen to Romans, you know how long it will take you to listen to the entire book of Romans, which is a big book. It takes you just around an hour. 
only an hour to read the entire, to listen to the entire book of Romans. I promise you, you want the Lord to speak to you, just commit. Seven days, an hour a day, I'm going to listen to the book of Romans every day for seven days. If you are coming into that encounter with the Lord, seeking the Lord, desiring to hear from the Lord, I guarantee you the Lord is going to speak to you. Today our passage is in Philippians. You ever heard of Philippians? One of the most encouraging, uplifting books ever written, right? Phenomenal book. It takes you about 14 to 15 minutes to listen to the entire book of Philippians. That's all. So if you add an hour... Let's do a little bit of math here. If you had an hour, how many times could you make it through the book of Philippians? That's right, Dave ran out. He even gave me the numbers. That's incredible. So, yes, four, four times. Doesn't that pump you up? That fires me up. If you took an hour and said, you know what? For the next hour, I'm just a Jesus freak. I'm addicted to the Lord, and I want to know what he has to say to me. And you just put it on repeat again and again and again. And again, I'm telling you again, if you come into that hour with a heart to seek the Lord, with a mind to hear from the Lord, the Lord is going to speak to you. So studying the word, it's important. It's good. I love studying the word. What you hear on Sunday morning, that all comes from my personal study and reading of the word of God. But again, I know you guys are busy. I also know there's a lot of excuses that come with being busy. And so maybe you don't have that two to three hour block every day to study the word, but you might. I'm not going to go specific on anybody, but you might have 30 minutes. You might have an hour. And I don't know where that is in your life, but maybe it's when you're brushing your teeth. Maybe it's when you're taking a shower. Maybe it's when you're in the car ride. I don't know where it is, but you might have that time to allow the Word of God to speak over you. I'm just trying to wipe away some of the excuses that many of us use for not engaging with the Word of God. And I speak this because I honestly, I, if you ever want to see Pastor Dan terrified... It's people who say, I'm a Christian, and yet aren't engaging with the Word of God. That is a miserable place to be. Have you ever tried it? I've tried that. It's an awful existence to say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, and yet you don't have the words of Jesus, the words of God speaking into your life on a daily, life, on a daily basis. You want to be discouraged and depressed and kind of just frustrated about the whole thing? It's a great way to do it, to say, I'm a Christian, and not know what you're even talking about. Also, I want you to hear this from me, and it's important to hear this from your pastor, is that when you listen to it, sometimes, I don't know if you've noticed this, when you read it, you can get stuck. Has that ever happened where you, you're reading and you get stuck on like verse one? Has that ever happened? You're like, wow, like, I don't know. So turn on Sports Center. The cool thing about listening is the guy doesn't stop when you want him to stop. He just keeps on talking. And it gets you through some of those roadblocks. And I think it's good to listen to it because many of these books we call them books but many of them in the new testament they're letters right they're letters and can you imagine if i wrote you a letter but you only just read a little section of the letter only you know the the one I, i'm not even gonna give an example because it's gonna be awkward but you you have to read the entire letter there's a flow to a letter there's a beginning there's a middle and there's a end to a letter and i, I would encourage you to be able to allow the Word of God to speak to you in the context of how the letter was actually written, where we don't just take fragmented chunks or fragmented ideas, but we actually take a step back 
and we receive the entire message of what the Lord is trying to communicate through this letter. A great example of taking these fragmented chunks or, or passages is our, uh, is our passage today. And I don't want you to put it up on screen yet, but our passage today, a phenomenal passage, is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. If you're taking notes, write that down. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. But the first word of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, is the word, finally. Finally. You know what that means? That means a whole lot has been discussed before we ever got to the word finally. If I came up here, let's say Pastor Randy said, now would you give a welcome to Pastor Dan and I come up here and if my first words were finally, thank you for laughing, I appreciate that. You would scratch your heads, right? You'd be so confused. Like, what are you even talking about? Now, if I was preaching for 20 to 30 minutes, and then I said, Kyla, finally, you'd be like, yeah, okay. If I was preaching 50 to 60 minutes, and I said, finally, you'd say, praise the Lord. (laughs) So passages like this, Philippians 4, 8. Passages like Romans 1, 2. I loved what we did last week. Uh, You just kind of have to take a step back, to get it back into its context in which they were originally, originally written. Now, uh, a side comment on this, if you only have one verse, so if you're in China and you're in prison and all you got is one verse, that one verse is going to speak, amen? Right? The, the Word of God is powerful, and, and even if you got one verse, it is going to speak. But come on, that is not most of us. Many of us, we don't just have one Bible, we have multiple Bibles, and we need to allow the Word of God to speak. And so Philippians 4, verse 8, um, great verse, awesome verse, powerful verse. But what I want to do is I want to hopefully just carve out some time for the verse to breathe, right? Give some space for the Word of God to develop ideas, to instruct us, to teach us, not just in Philippians 4, 8, but beginning in chapter 1, and then chapter 2, chapter 3. And then we can approach chapter 4, where he says, Finally, and then we hear the instruction. In fact, here's some homework. Go back home uh, after church, read the letter or listen to the entire letter, but keep an ear out for Philippians 4, verse 8. And I think you're just going to love hearing it in the context of a larger word, a larger, larger message that the Lord is speaking through this letter. So here it is, Philippians 4, 8. We'll put it on the screen. By the way, Paul is writing all of this from prison. And he says, Finally, brothers and sisters... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Pretty awesome. Pretty good. And at this point, normally we stop, right? That's the poster, that's the bookmark, that's the bumper sticker, and it's phenomenal, like powerful verse. I think we have to add verse 8 or verse 9 to verse 8. Verses 8 and 9, they are meant to go together. So this is what verse 9 says. Uh, Who's writing the letter again? Paul. He, He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, from me, Paul, or seen in me, Paul, what does he say? He says, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. 
All right, so Paul's writing, and who is he writing to? He's writing to brothers and sisters in Christ, so this means it's the family of God, a bunch of Christians, people who put their belief in Jesus. If you remember last week, it's not about the things we have done that have gotten us saved, right? It's not our works, but it's our belief, our faith, our trust, that we have called on the name of the Lord that we are now saved. And so Paul is talking to people that are part of God's family, people who are in the family of God, not because of our ability to obey the law, but because of our faith in Jesus Christ. But then now there's this letter that is full of encouragement, full of instruction for a people who are already saved, already made righteous because of their belief in Christ. That kind of reminds me of this room, right? As I look around, there's a whole lot of Christians in this room. We are saved not by our works, right? Not by anything we have done, but we're saved what? By believing, putting our faith in Christ, putting our trust in Christ, calling on the name of the Lord. And because of that, we are saved because of Him. Now, if Paul was in this room talking to a bunch of brothers and sisters in Christ, he'd say, hey, life spring, brothers and sisters, love having you in the family. Glad to see you're grafted into the tree. Now, I got some instructions and some encouragement for you. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, these great verses would be included. But like we did last week, let's put it back into the larger context of the letter. If you have your Bible, you're going to go back a couple of pages. You're going to go back to the beginning of chapter 3. And as we go back to the beginning of chapter 3, especially verse 9 is going to make a lot more sense. Two, two first chapters, by the way, are great. Phenomenal. Chapter 1 and chapter 2, they amplify the point Paul is making in chapter 4. I just don't have time today to, to go back to the very beginning, so we're just going to go back to chapter 3. In chapter 3, Paul he lays out much of his personal journey with Christ. And so with this verse 9 that says, whatever you've learned from me, whatever you've received from me, whatever you've heard from me, whatever you've seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. That whole thing. In chapter 3, you get a taste of some of these things that the believers in Philippi would have learned, would have received, would have heard, would have seen in Paul. So let's go Chapter 3, if you have your Bibles. He says, Further, my brothers and sisters. I love how Paul calls us brothers and sisters. He says, Rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. He's talking about the Judaizers that are telling these young Christians that they have to be circumcised to be a Christian, that you have to follow some of these uh, outward displays, uh, some works-based uh, uh, religion uh, to be a Christian. And yet he says, no, 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 no. you've got to watch out for these guys, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast not in our works or any outward things, but in who? In Christ Jesus. So we got Paul here. And if you can't see this very well, just take a picture afterwards. But we got Paul, and he says he boasts in who? In Christ. He says he boasts in Christ, and I put no confidence in the flesh. But then don't you love verse 4? He says, though, if we were to play that game, if you want to go down that road, I myself have many reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I got more. And then he gives this list. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, I was persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, Paul says he was what? He was faultless. But look at this. He says, but whatever 
were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. He boasts in Christ. He is found in Christ. He says he doesn't have a righteousness of his own that comes from the law, but he has a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So it's a righteous, or he is righteous by faith. Everyone say faith. In who? In Christ. He says, I want to know Christ. Anybody here want to know Christ? Amen, right? He wants to know Christ. He says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So he doesn't just want to know Christ's name. He actually wants to identify with Christ. He wants to know Christ both in His death if you remember, if you were here uh, the Baptism Sunday, we talked about identifying with Christ in His death, but not just His death, but also His resurrection. So He wants to know Christ, identifying both with His death and resurrection. Verse 12, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. Isn't that cool? Paul is somebody who presses on. He presses on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straightening toward what is ahead. What does Paul do? He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. So he presses on toward the goal. To win the for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, all of us, pay attention church, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. So all of us who are mature, we should take such a view of things. So this is Paul's view. And Paul's view should equal whose view? Our view. Anyone who is mature should take a view of such things. And then listen to the grace of Paul in the next couple of verses. He says, And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you, listen, only let us live up to what we have already obtained. I think that's wonderful. He says, so whatever level of understanding, whatever level of um, maturity that you've attained, just put it into practice and let it lead you into your next steps. Verse 17, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, so this matters to Paul, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. So many live as and markers enemies of Christ. Many live as enemies of Christ. And look at the list. The destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. 
Where's their mind set? Somebody say it out loud. Their mind is set on? Their mindset on earthly things. Enemies of Christ. Is that us? Is that who we are? Somebody with a, just a lot of confidence in their faith say, say something other than, no, thank you. No, that's not who we are. He says in the next verse, he says, but our citizenship, brothers and sisters, like family of God, where's our citizenship? It's in heaven. So our minds are set. In heaven. Kelly, you are amazing. We're not consumed by the things of this earth. Our minds are on the things of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Praise the Lord. Chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Stand firm in the Lord in what way? Stand firm in the Lord in this way. Stand firm. I'm going to do explanation points just to make it like it's like it makes it more of like like I really want you to see it. <laughs> Stand. We'll underline that makes it even more aggressive, right? Stand firm. And what in these things stand firm in the Lord in this way, my dear friends. Now he gives a specific example. It's not the rosiest of examples. Actually, there's a little bit of conflict in this example. He says, I plead with Iodia, I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. He wants us to be of the same mind in the Lord. So Paul says his view is to have the same mind in Christ. And these two women, he wants them to have the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, the person that he's writing this letter to, he says, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Notice he doesn't want to kick these women out, right? He doesn't say, expel these women from the church. He says, no, these are co-laborers in Christ. These are my people that I've been walking alongside, doing ministry with. My true companion, compadre, please help these women. <clears throat> Have the same mind in the Lord. That's actually, I talked a lot about through Philippians, actually throughout all of Paul's letters. I was just reading today 1 Corinthians uh, where he talks about that kind of unity. But in Philippians chapter 2, he talks about this. He says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Right? It's hard to have the same mind with another person when you're doing things out of selfish ambition. Right? That has nothing to do with another person. That's all about me. My selfish ambition. He says, also do nothing out of vain conceit. Philippians 2.14, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. So he said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In 2.14, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Philippians 2.2, he says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Then he goes on, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. So rejoice in the Lord. Paul's view is that we should rejoice. How often does Paul say we should rejoice? 
How about you say that again with a little confidence? How often are we supposed to rejoice? Always. Rejoice in the Lord. Dot, dot, dot. Always. I'll put it in caps. That makes it sound important. Always. (laughs) Exclamation points. Underlines. And then what else does it say? Let your gentleness be evident to all. You kind of want to skip that one, right? But we can't. All right. Paul says, you got to be gentle. Oh, dear. Okay. Be gentle. What else does he say? He says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Yikes. Okay. (laughs) Don't be anxious. You guys maybe have heard this verse before. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, you've got to present your request to God. So don't be anxious. Instead, present your request to God. And a beautiful promise, verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, it's going to guard a couple of areas. Where is it going to guard? It's going to guard your... And it's going to guard your... In Christ Jesus. Finally! We made it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. What does he say? He says those things you gotta you gotta think about those things. Oh, but we're not done. Verse nine. Whatever you have learned. From Paul, whatever you have received from Paul, whatever you have, what's the next one? Heard from Paul, and whatever you've seen in Paul, what does he say? You got to what? Put into practice. And here's the big promise. We'll. Use another color for this one. And the promise is the God of peace. Everyone say God of peace. Hallelujah. He's the God of peace. The God of peace will be with who? With us. Yes, with you. Hallelujah. And it's important that we see that, church. Because Philippians 4.8, it's one of those verses. This is so important that we get this. Philippians 4.8, it can really get watered down. I think in a lot of ways it has gotten watered down to just be in this verse that tells us to think happy thoughts. Right? I mean, look at it. It's just, think happy thoughts, right? Good energy in. Bad energy out. Good thoughts in. Good thoughts out. Just happy things. If that's what this verse means to you, I'm just telling you, this verse has lost its power in your life. Because this verse isn't about meditating on happy thoughts. This verse is about meditating on Jesus. 
It's about meditating on His kingdom, on the things of heaven. These are defining words of the kingdom that Jesus has brought. Of true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy things. That's what Paul wanted for the Philippians when he wrote that. That was his heart. That, by the way, is what Paul, and more importantly, the Lord your maker would desire for you. Remember Paul. This is Paul who says, I boast in the Lord. I'm found in Christ. My righteousness by faith in Christ. I want to know Christ, His death and His resurrection. I'm pressing on toward the goal to win the prize. I want you guys to have the same mind in Christ, to rejoice in the Lord always, to be gentle. Don't be anxious. Present your request to God. Put into practice. Oh, no, wait. And everything, think about what's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Whatever you've learned from me, received from me, heard from me, seen from me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is Paul. Paul was desperate to live for Christ. Paul had a passion to live for Jesus and for his kingdom. And out of his love for God, but also his love for the family of God, he keeps on calling us brothers and sisters out of his love for us. He wanted all of us to live for Christ and to live for Christ's kingdom so that the God of peace would be with us. The God of peace might be with us. See, as your pastor, one of the things the Lord has really laid on my heart lately is that He has called me to point people to Christ. To Christ. That when you're with me, you're going to hear about Christ, but also you're going to have the opportunity to take a step forward in the things of Christ, becoming more like Christ. And so after you leave here today, you're probably going to hear Philippians 4, 8, what, a couple of hundred more times in your life? But here's the deal. I would just love it if every time you heard Philippians 4, 8, that instead of you just thinking, oh, there's that verse that tells me to think more happy thoughts and more happy thoughts in and bad thoughts out. Instead, instantaneously, you would say, no, 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 no. That verse is all about me thinking about Jesus. That verse is all about meditating, not on happy thoughts, but me meditating, being consumed, having a passion for Jesus and for the kingdom of Jesus, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, the name of Jesus and the kingdom of Jesus. That's what I'm thinking about. And then if you can, add verse 9 on top of that. Whatever you have learned or received or heard or seen in Paul, put it into practice and the God of peace is going to be with you. So then you're like, okay, Pastor Dan was talking about this, so I'm thinking on Jesus, but I'm also putting into practice whatever I've received, whatever I've heard, whatever I've learned, whatever I've seen in Paul, through Paul, I'm going to put it into practice. Well, what did I see in Paul? Do you see what, what, who Paul was? When, when you look at Paul, you see a human being who gave up everything. Everything. Paul, who said, I count it as lost compared to knowing Christ, a follower of Jesus. By the way, before he was saved, Paul was quite the man. Paul was probably a celebrity in the Jewish world. You saw that list. I saw that list. In the Jewish world, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In the Jewish world, I mean, they're celebrating this guy because he's zealous in his persecution of the church. He even declares, was anyone else like, oh my goodness, did he just say that? When he declares that based on righteousness that was based on the law, he said he was what? He was faultless. But then he goes on, he says, whatever were gains to me, he says, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He goes and uses words like, I consider them as garbage. So as we learn from Paul, as we put into practice 
what we have received from the Lord through this amazing apostle. Christ becomes clearer and clearer. Our minds become more and more fixated on Christ, focused on Christ, where those clouds of life, the clouds of life, by the way, are going to come, but those clouds of life, they will not cover the clarity of what we have in Christ. And Paul says, as you put into practice Paul's example of wholehearted devotion to Christ, where he gives everything for Christ, Paul makes an astounding, amazing claim. He says, I'm guaranteeing you the God of peace will be with you. And in today's world, I didn't know if you knew this or not, there's a lot of things vying for your attention, trying to keep you from this God of peace. Kicking me off watching people just sinking in this world. A lot of things. There's more available to us than ever before. So many ways you can spend your time with all the gizmos and all the gadgets. Think about all the various screens we got. We got screens in our pockets. We got screens in our bedrooms. We got screens in our living rooms, tablets and laptops and TVs. Humans have more screen time right now than ever before, giving us thousands upon thousands of choices for what we might meditate upon, what we might think upon, dwell upon, be fixated upon, be focused on. But could we, and I think we can, I think we are, could we consider the Word of God today? And allow these amazing words inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by an apostle of God. Could we let the word of God challenge us today? Challenge us. Not have Pastor Dan challenge us, but let the word of God challenge us. Am I focused on earthly things? Or am I focused on heavenly things? Am I focused on the things of this world? Or are my time, energy, resources, my very life focused on Jesus, on Christ and the kingdom of Christ? As you mature with your walk with Jesus, and we're all at different parts of that journey, different parts of the process, but as you mature in your walk, you're going to have to come back to those types of questions almost on a daily basis, right? It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord because this world that we live in, it is really good at trying to get us to forget about what we have in Jesus. Our society, by the way, is going to do its best at keeping us consumed, completely focused on earthly things. Have you noticed that? Especially in America. I mean, we are just addicted to earthly things. But the Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is amazing. And as you get your mindset diving into the Word of God, it actually begins to renew your mind, and where maybe you came in focused and fixated on earthly things, the Lord can transform your mind, change your heart, and get you fixated on the things of heaven. So let's agree, church, come on, let's agree to put into practice the Word of God and trust that as we do this, the God of peace is going to be with us. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. As they do, I I want to read a devotional. It's from our Daily Bread. You guys heard of Daily Bread? Uh, Read this a lot as a kid growing up. Uh, This one's actually from 2012, and and I think it really speaks to what I'm talking about today. The, The author writes, Every age has its own thoughts, ideas, values that influence the culture, the spirit of the age. It is the kind of growing consensus that morally lulls us to sleep gradually causing us to accept society's latest values. 
The Apostle Paul called this corrupting atmosphere the course of this world. Describing the lives of the believers at Ephesus before they encountered Christ, he said they were dead in trespasses and sins and walked according to the course of this world. Their mindsets were what? On earthly things. This is the world's peer pressure, a satanically inspired system of values and ideas that cultivates a lifestyle that is independent of God. The author writes, Jesus intended for us to live in the world. So worldly influence is nearly impossible to escape. But he's given us his word. He's given us word to so permeate our thinking that we don't have to become conformed to the world's values, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Instead, God helps us walk in the light, walk in the spirit, walk in love, walk in truth and walk in Christ. And he finishes, he says, as we walk in God's power and spend time in God's word, he gives us the strength to live according to kingdom values and not the spirit of the age. So good. And that's my heart for you, church. That's my heart. That you'd be encouraged today, just compelled today by the Lord, by his word, to keep your minds, to keep your hearts, on the things of God, to keep your mind on the things of heaven, to keep your mind on Christ. So as you walk through your life and the real life, you know, like actual life, like with ups and downs and challenges and pain and heartache, all those things, as you walk through life, all the challenges that life brings, that you would know that you can walk through those things with a clarity of focus, that you do not have to walk through the things of life forgetting what you have in Jesus, but you can remember what you have in Jesus. You can even press on even more, even deeper into the things of God that you can meditate, but you're not going to just meditate on happy thoughts. You're going to meditate upon Jesus. You're going to meditate upon his kingdom. You're going to meditate upon his holy word. And as you do, don't you know, the God of peace is going to be with you. And that God of peace, he's going to give you all that you need to press on toward the goal, to win the prize for which God has called you heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray.